Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No America. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaign. Oh, wait. Unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks as always for joining us this week. Uh, you know, as much of DC goes on vacation for about a month, Congress is out more or less, uh, the House of Representatives. Judicial Watch is doing as much as anyone can to promote, preserve, and protect the rule of law. We have a big lawsuit, civil rights lawsuit against the Chicago mayor who's engaging in racist discrimination. We have a lawsuit to investigate the January 6th shooting of a, an American citizen, an armed American citizen at the U.S. Capitol that the media doesn't want to talk about. And on top of that, we're in Congress defending the rule of law on election integrity and pushing back against the massive election law power grab and significant other power grab by the left in the guise of new legislation. So uh, some important work there. And, uh, you know, Judicial Watch is your watchdog in Washington, D.C., but also across the land. And to that end, uh, Judicial Watch filed a lawsuit this week against Chicago Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Mayor Lightfoot issued a statement and a letter and let it be known uh, that she would be only talking to or granting interviews to uh, minority reporters just completely racist uh, policy that uh, she thinks the press corps needs more diversity. And as a result, she was gonna ban white reporters uh, from being able to interview her. Uh, completely outrageous, uh, illegal, you know, I could say all those words, right? You know, and I wanted to highlight this issue because we've been talking about critical race theory, uh, the uh, idea that the left has, it's okay to discriminate against white people I mean, they can have that as a, I guess, a theory, uh, however report morally repugnant it is, but it's not legal. Federal law and the Constitution prohibits certainly government officials from engaging in that type of discrimination. And specifically, in this case, Mayor Whitefoot issued a letter, and as we say in the release, informed multiple reporters that she would grant one-on-one -on -one interviews only to black or brown journalists. The next day, the mayor released a letter doubling down on a discriminatory policy. Since that time, the mayor has granted at least one interview request from a self-identified Latino reporter and none to white reporters. Well, we represent Thomas uh, Catanacci. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, Thomas uh, works with the Daily Caller News Foundation. He's a reporter and he sent an email to Mayor Lightfoot asking for an interview on COVID. Didn't get a response. He sent another email. He didn't get a response. He sent another email. Three emails sent, no response. And so he fairly and rightly concluded he was being denied the interview. And as Mayor uh, Lightfoot has said, uh, the policy of denying interviews to white reporters is based on race. It wasn't because he, she didn't like the Daily Caller News Foundation or the other sort of legitimate reasons, <laughs> frankly, that uh, uh, politicians can, can use to not 
interview with a reporter. There's no law requiring a reporter gets an interview with everyone he wants. But government officials can't deny access to reporters based on their race. Now, you would think that's common sense, right? Of course, it's Judicial Watch is the only one who sued over this craziness. We filed the lawsuit on behalf of Thomas and the Daily Caller News Foundation in federal court in the Northern District of Illinois. The claims specifically are claims under the First Amendment and uh, the 14th Amendment. Uh, there's a civil, civil rights law that uh, you know, the lawyers call for shorthand 1983 type claims. And it's a federal civil rights law. It goes back to 1871. It was originally called the Ku Klux Klan Act. I mean, this is the type of behavior that uh, the federal government and governments generally have been trying to outlaw for years. And the idea that a government official would stand at the door and deny access uh, to reporters uh, who have a First Amendment right to try to cover the, uh, the, the, me, uh, the, the, the uh, politician in question, but also they have a First Amendment right to petition the government to try to get the request considered and to be told they can't be considered because of their race is, is a constitutional abomination. So we have the lawsuit, it's in federal court, and it shows you that, uh, you know, it's Judicial Watch who kind of cuts to the chase on these issues. Because there's talk of critical race theory, woke, equity, which is another code for critical race theory. Equity is a, is, is a Marxist communist concept that requires equality of outcomes as opposed to just equality under the law. And uh, there is uh, this big push by in the schools, as we've discussed, at the corporate level, at the federal level, and uh, here at the state level uh, to uh, push this racial separatism that is racist uh, to the degree it has any intellectual heft behind it. It's Marxist and communist and seeks to overthrow institutions of the United States of America and, and destroy America and our constitutional republic. But in its most base sense, this is just racism. When you have someone like the mayor of Chicago telling reporters, you can't talk to me because you're the wrong color. Now, her concern, allegedly, uh, if you want to be charitable, is there aren't enough uh, minorities on in newsroom staffs to cover the cities. You know, I don't know whether that makes a difference or not. It further suggests that you do your job and perform your job based in part on the color of your skin. So it's that racial separatism, that uh, terrible regimes that we're all supposed to be against that had promoted, the left is now taking up. So uh, Judicial Watch is doing heroic work here. Our lawyers are in court. We uh, obviously have our lawyers here in town, uh, in DC. Our Illinois lawyer is Christine Svensson. And of course we appreciate Thomas, who is our client. You know, he comes forward, you bet he's gonna, he's gonna get attacked by the leftists for daring to assert his rights as an American citizen and stand against this corrupt politician. And where's the Justice Department here? It says nakedly racist uh, behavior that's co uh, contrary to law, 
Justice Department Civil Rights Division ought to be investigating this, don't you think? Or does Illinois have a civil rights agency or civil rights enforcement? Where's the AG Attorney General of Illinois? And this is why Judicial Watch is important because we're independent and we're willing to come forward and take on cases like this. And this isn't our only case, of course. We represent Coach uh, David Flynn in Massachusetts, Dean Massachusetts. He was fired from his job as a high school football coach in retaliation for his complaints about Black Lives Matter and critical race theory propaganda being taught his children, his daughter specifically. Got fired from his high school football coach position. We're suing in California against race and gender and other quotas for boards of directors out there. I'll say it once and I'll say it again. The organized left, the academic intellectual left, the Marxist left does not oppose racial discrimination. Actually, they see opposition to racial discrimination as being discriminatory. They just oppose racial discrimination targeted at one ethnic group, but they're happily, they're happy to target it at another. They don't, they don't oppose racial discrimination. So uh, they're the ones outside the constitution. They're the ones outside the law. They're the race-based extremists, the racialists, the racist, the separatists, whatever you want to call it. So uh, this, this uh, racist policy by this uh, corrupted mayor in, in Chicago is now in federal court, thanks to Judicial Watch. And we do it thanks to you as well. And as I said, we've got these other, this other litigation. We've been investigating this issue and pushing this issue for years, by the way. But it's metastasized in recent years because of the rising communism in our society. And we're gonna stand where we can for you and, and the rule of law in our constitutional republic and the rights of all citizens. Standing up to this abuse and educating Americans, and in this case, Congress, is something that Judicial Watch is, uh, is, is part of Judicial Watch's core mission. We're an educational foundation. And to that end, our uh, one of our senior voting um, uh, law attorneys, Russ Nobile, testified to a House Judiciary I think it was a subcommittee hearing this week as the committee was discussing uh, changes to election law at the federal level. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about the legislation because I don't think there is legislation, but generally speaking, there's, you know about HR 1, right, and Senate 1, which would upend and nationalize federal election law. Well, this is the cousin of that. It does a little bit less but significant amount of damage to federalism. Uh, it would essentially make voter ID subject to scrutiny by the Justice Department everywhere across the country. The left was ignored by a decision known as the Shelby decision several years ago by the Supreme Court that said, look, you know, there's this rule, this law that had required uh, 16 states, mostly in the South, covered by were had to run all of their election related and voting related uh, changes by the Justice Department. 
And the Supreme Court said, well, look, you know, you might have had an excuse to do that in the late 1960s and the mid 60s where you had these uh, racially discriminatory policies that were suppressing black votes. But there's no data suggesting it's still going on now. And so you've got to defer to the states again. The left has been furious about that. So they're trying to fix it by expanding the power of the Justice Department to oversee election rule changes by the states. In fact, they're trying even to expand the power of the Justice Department from overseeing election law changes to overseeing or being able to litigate over virtually anything it wants. So it's not even elections. They can go to court. It looks like under this, under this, the, the legal analysis of Russ, it, the Justice Department under this law would be able to go to court over anything they wanted to if they thought it was, quote, in violation of the Constitution, what the state was doing. So just without uh, boring you with the detail about the difference between the Justice Department holding a state accountable under a federal statute versus the Justice Department saying, well, the Constitution prevents you from doing anything we don't like you to be doing, which is kind of like it depends on the eye of the beholder, right? That would be a radical change in the law and an attack at the heart of federalism. And federalism, of course, and the structure, our constitutional structure isn't designed to make life easier for leftists and deep state bureaucrats and power hungry politicians. It's designed to protect your liberties. That's why we have a federalism structure. Federalism is designed to dissipate the power of government and allocate the power in a way that protects your liberties and makes the exercise of government power accountable to you, dear citizen. So Judicial Watch was up in, on Capitol Hill this week. Russ did an excellent job. They had three left-wing attorneys testifying on behalf of the bill or you know, was in support of this radical power grab. And just Russ, just Russ. And per usual, I think there was only one Republican there. She did a great job. The, the uh, testimony, uh, I think, is available online. Certainly the video portion of the testimony is. We'll be putting out the full written testimony shortly. But just so you know, it's not just uh, HR1. It's not just that power grab. It's uh, The bill is known as John Lewis bill. Or more, uh, and that is as not as crazy as the HR one bill, but one that is significant. So there are significant constitutional concerns. This is not just a policy debate. This is like this is something. Well, what they are, what they are, what they proposing to do is it lawful? And will it undermine or protect election integrity? And I think obviously uh, you know where I stand on it. And what Russ tried to do was educate people about what the law was. He had been an attorney in the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department. So he was actually enforcing the laws they're trying to, quote, reform now. That's why the left hates Judicial Watch, because we, we know what we're talking about. So when we go into court on election law issues and we win or we highlight things that are an issue, it, you know, we're not coming in all elbows and just blundering our way in. We have a sophisticated group of attorneys 
who know the law inside and out on the areas that we litigate, including election law, and which is so outrageous, which is so frustrating because when we're censored on election law, I'm like, Judicial Watch is a national leading expert on election law. A few groups know more about it than we do. So big tech doesn't like any of the doesn't like us telling the truth about it. And this is why the left especially hates us because we're just one group, but we punch above our weight. And there are thousands of groups. I think literally thousands of groups. I'm not even being rhetorical there that focus on undermining election integrity from the left side of the aisle. And of course you've got all the big media and the partisan interest in it because and then uh, on our side, it's just little old Judicial Watch and our Frank Christian Adams and the Public Interest Legal Foundation and a few other groups. I mean, it's just a handful of groups and Judicial Watch is the biggest of them all. And we, and we don't file that many lawsuits, but when we do, they, they get very upset about it. And when we testify, they get very upset about it. So I'm... Uh, I'm honored that Judicial Watch was invited to testify. I was pleased that Russ went up there and did a great job. And, uh, and, and you should be proud and honored too, because we do it for you. And without your support, there'd be no voice up there, right? There'd be no voice like Judicial Watch up there defending the rule of law on Capitol Hill. Uh, next up, uh, speaking of Capitol Hill, we had all the fake debate about the Pelosi Commission, as I call it, not the January 6th Commission. It's the Pelosi Commission. It would have been a commission set up by Schumer and Pelosi to target and harass and try to criminalize their political opposition using January 6th as an excuse to do so, which is, which is of course, more of the same, right? Well, thankfully, the Republicans, as I described to you last week, uh, saw the grassroots opposition to this, saw the absurdity of it and the political nature of it and shut it down and opposed it and at least killed it for now. Uh, but one thing I've highlighted is that who needs a January 6th commission when you have Judicial Watch? And I know many of you have been concerned about the shooting death of Ashley Babbitt, a, uh, a veteran who was there on January 6th, was in the Capitol, uh, we, you may have seen the video by now, um, or at least one of the videos, where uh, there was a group of people, there were law enforcement behind her, and it was kind of a kind of chaos, and she tried to crawl through a window to get into um, the house lobby, essentially. And there was a police officer on the other side who shot her. We don't know who he was. We don't know why he shot her. What was he thinking? What was the criminal, what was the analysis of it? Was there a report of it? Who investigated it? Can you imagine a shooting of an unarmed protester in similar circumstances in any other context? And you know what I mean by that. Where we would just accept that we can't get any information it's now, uh, what is it, it's nearly June, right? So six months or so since it's happened and we don't know the name of the officer. We don't have any details about the shooting. And she's the only person who died in that riot directly. Officer Sitnik, who Judicial Watch um, helped um, 
Officer Sicknick, who died, they falsely said that he died as a result of being assaulted by rioters. And that wasn't the case. He died a stroke after the after the disturbance. They, he would that the strokes weren't tied to the riot. It's natural causes. It was determined by the Office of Medical Examiner, who we had to sue. And after we sued, he finally released the report. He said it was natural causes. And the others who died also died of natural causes. So the only homicide was Ashley Babbitt. Now, was it justifiable or not? I don't know. I'm willing to give the police officer the benefit of the doubt, but I don't have anything. I, you know, normally there's an investigation. You can, you can get a feel for what happened from the reports, and there's been nothing. So Judicial Watch, doing what Judicial Watch does, we asked the Department of um, the Office of Medical Examiner and uh, the Chief Medical Examiner, I guess it's called here in Washington, D.C., and the Metropolitan Police Department for all records, including but not limited to investigative reports, photographs, witness statements, dispatch lives, logs, schematics, ballistics, video footage, and MPD officials, electronic communications concerning the January 6, 2021 death of Ashley Babbitt in the Capitol building and its related investigation. Now, specific requests to the chief medical examiner, as for all records, including but not limited to autopsy reports, toxicology reports, notes, photographs, and their official communications related to her death. So the normal course of action in the police shooting is to quickly inform the public of the details, but the lack of transparency in the killing of veteran Ashley Babbitt is unprecedented and obviously political. I mean, when something is going so wrong in a law enforcement investigation, it almost inevitably is because of politics, especially here in Washington, D.C., There have been so many criminal investigations of crimes that otherwise would be handled appropriately or normally, but they're almost always waylaid or corrupted or obstructed or otherwise undermined by political interference. And that we had to file a lawsuit for basic information after months and months of stonewalling is a scandal. And as I said, we're doing the work of a commission already. We have a lawsuit against the Pentagon and the U.S. Park Police for information about the deployment of troops and warnings about the January 6th protests. We filed suit against the Defense Department and about Pelosi's telephone call with the chairman and joint chiefs of staff on January 8th, which, you know, where she was attacking and trying to undermine Trump. I told you about the lawsuit for the report about Sicknick's death. And we sued the police department, excuse me, the Capitol Police Department directly for emails and videos related to the January 6th events. All those videos, many people have complained there's thousands of hours of videos that haven't been released. Well, we're actually in court asking for them. So 
Pelosi runs the Capitol Hill Police Department, practically speaking. Why didn't she order them to release the documents? Like, and the videos. Well, we know why. So uh, Judicial Watch is in court almost a half a dozen times, half a dozen lawsuits on this. Numerous Freedom of Information Act requests, more are coming. So we don't need a commission, you already have Judicial Watch. So I'm proud that Judicial Watch is able to do that. And you know, I don't just say that because I'm the president of Judicial Watch, because I think as a, as a citizen and a patriot, this work is essential to our country. And I feel strongly about that. My colleagues feel strongly about it. And I know uh, those of you who support Judicial Watch directly and financially feel strongly about it as well. And all the work we do at Judicial Watch pales in comparison uh, and you know, is a shadow of the ultimate sacrifices by our fighting men and women who died in the service of their country. Uh, whose sacrifices we honor on Memorial Day. And uh, I love Memorial Day because the official Memorial Day, May 30th, is my birthday. So I always have a special affinity for it. Uh, but Memorial Day is that time of the year where our country can focus on the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of untold numbers of fellow Americans, Americans who gave their lives to preserve and defend our God-given freedoms in our constitutional republic. You know, oftentimes, you know, on days like this, I always think of the speech on Veterans Day, Memorial Day, and a lot of other times. It's, there was a speech by Ronald Reagan in 1985, and I may have actually gone over this with you before, but I'm gonna do it again because it's great to hear again. Much of the speech, um, as I said, it's about, it's about Veterans Day, it's a Veterans Day speech, but it applies to Memorial Day, especially what I think this portion, which, yeah, always has application, especially today. And Ronald Reagan in 1985 said, and the living have a responsibility to remember the conditions that led to the wars in which our heroes died. Perhaps we can start by remembering this, that all of those who died for us in our country were in one way or another victims of a peace process that failed, victim of a decision to forget certain things, to forget, for instance, that the surest way to keep a peace going is to stay strong. Weakness, after all, is a temptation. It tempts the pugnacious to assert themselves, but strength is a declaration that cannot be misunderstood. Strength is a condition that declares actions have consequences. Strength is a prudent warning to the belligerent that aggression need not go unanswered. This is the kicker. Peace fails when we forget what we stand for. It fails when we forget that our republic is based on firm principles, principles that have real meaning, that with them we are the last best hope of man on earth. Without them, we're little more than a crust of a continent. Peace also fails when we forget to bring to the bargaining table God's first intellectual gift to man, common sense. Common sense gives us a realistic knowledge of human beings and how they think, how they live in the world, what motivates them. Common sense tells us that man has magic in him, but also clay. Common sense can tell the differences, the difference between right and wrong. Common sense forgives error, but it also recognizes it to be error first. 
We endanger the peace and confuse all issues when we obscure the truth, when we refuse to act and name an act for what it is, when we refuse to see the obvious and seek safety in the Almighty. Peace is only maintained and won by those who have clear eyes and brave minds. Now, I talk about that speech, obviously, because I love the Veteran Day connection, but it, it, the Memorial Day connection is important. Because when people's lives are lost, they've ever been lost for good reason. So when politicians act in a way that almost require the use of force, where otherwise could have been prevented, that's what Ronald Reagan is talking about. And obviously that context was back during the cold slash hot war with the Soviet Union. And I'm a positive guy. I like to think that many Americans have, as Ronald Reagan said, clear eyes and brave minds. And you know, these patriots like you desire the same qualities in our political and judicial leaders who now terribly are too often confronting and even promoting the ideology of communism that so many Americans who were honoring on Memorial Day died trying to defeat. And you can bet Judicial Watch won't, quote, forget what we stand for. And in our modest efforts to preserve and protect the rule of law, we seek to vindicate the sacrifices of those fallen warriors. So uh, I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day and God bless you and God bless America. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.